Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Everybody to my independence report. We've got a great show for you today. It is Wednesday, and uh, not that that matters because you might not hear this on Wednesday. You might hear it on any other day that you choose, but we've got a great guest for you today. And she's a published author. Uh, she's her bio, by the way, is long enough that I it would take me almost the entire show to read the bio. So, so I'm not going to do that. And we, instead, we are going to talk to uh, Beverly and we're going to talk about all the things that she's done in her life, including her latest book, which is uh, was originally published in uh, in Japanese. And then she rediscovered it on her computer one day and decided that she was going to update it. And uh, because she wanted to turn it into an English book. Um, and then uh, she sent it to a friend to have a friend review it. And she, her friend said, I want to make, that's a Spanish speaking book as well. So it's in, now in Japanese, in Spanish, and in English. Her name is Beverly Kievman Copen, and she is with us today. And we've got her for the whole time that we're together today. So Beverly, how are you? I'm grand. I am just grand. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Absolutely. And your neighborhood is in Georgia, is it not? It is in Georgia. It is. Georgia is a fine place to be. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm born and raised in Atlanta, so it's not far from where I used to grow up. Oh, very, very nice. Because uh, Atlanta, now, uh, the thing about Atlanta is that it's hot and hot, hot and humid in the summertime. And uh, and I don't know how you guys, of course, you have air conditioning now, but I don't know how they lived there 100 years ago. They were tough. They, they, I don't either. Uh, but uh, it, when I moved to Sedona, it was uh, Sedona, Arizona. It was uh, similar, uh, similar temperatures. But the, the it's a dry heat. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, you you can. I, I I worked for a company out of uh, Arkansas, and you could you could work up a sweat just working from getting out of your car and going to the uh, to the office door, um, yes. when it, when it was ninety five degrees and ninety percent humidity. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, but but you're all aware aware of that and and stuff. But you have been doing remarkable work for your entire life. Tell us a little bit about, you started out with a modeling agency and and you help people and you've written four books, four books, isn't it? It's five now, actually. Oh, see, I, I needed to keep up. So <laughs> it's it's now five. And the latest one, of course, is It's Your Life, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Making a difference with, or making a difference begins with, I have an idea. Yes. Let's do this so um we're going to talk a great deal about that book but let's talk about you where you came from and how you got so successful doing so many things that's a that's a powerful question mr kevin and uh, i guess uh, i would classify myself as an entrepreneur um, a photographer and an author so it's um it's a simple way to describe something you believe you are I have, don't believe I've ever worked for a corporation, a big corporation as a full-time employee. And so I've, I've never known about a glass ceiling growing up all my life because I had none. <laughs> and, now, isn't that, honestly, isn't that because you chose not to have one? And no, that, I didn't choose not to have one. Oh, oh, you mean a ceiling, a glass ceiling. A glass ceiling. Exactly. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That is exactly right. And, and so because of it in your world, mm -hmm. it didn't exist. So you didn't feel you didn't put any limitations on what you could do. That's right. That's right. I've always been a goal setter. Even when I was, um, I think, 11 years old, I wrote a goal setting uh, thing to my mother. And I said, I will stop biting my fingernails and I will stop blaming. I will stop making fun of other people if they will stop making fun of me. And so um, it was an interesting thing to see what you thought about when you were 11 years old. 
it's it's amazing that when you're 11 that uh, uh biting your fingernails can be a cataclysmic event in your life and it's like <laughs> it's the most horrible thing that could possibly be going on and until you grow up a little bit and you realize oh that was nothing <laughs> you should see what's going on now yeah. Um, so, so, so I guess to answer a little bit, tiny bit more of your question is that, that um, I think I have mentioned before that I did graduate from high school at 16 and I graduated college three years later uh, with a degree in journalism, which which have gave me skills and that I have used all of my life. And so uh, early on, I learned the phrase instead of why it was why not. And I think. I think the first time I, I, I did that with my mother when she said, why would you want to go from the 10th grade to the 12th grade? Um, and my answer was, why not? And so, so I've, that's been a, a mantra of mine uh, for as long as I can remember. So, so let me get this. So you went from high school and then through college in mm -hmm. about six years. Um, yeah. Yes, I guess so. Uh, I, I graduated um, college when I had just turned 20. Wow. See, see, I spent six years to get through high school. I'm kidding. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, that's uh, um, but you are so you're very bright. You were bright as a kid and your parents must have encouraged you a lot along the way. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was 12. And so my dad was virtually an entrepreneur, but not around much. But I knew he did a lot of things, a lot of businesses. So I don't, I didn't really know, you know, early on what entrepreneur meant. I just knew he did a lot of businesses. My mother, my sweetheart mother, um, played the piano um, and for a ballet school, and did not do business. But she was the one who gave me unconditional love. And, and encourage me anything that I did she she was uh, would encourage me and and that means a lot unconditional love is incredible if you find it it's so hard to find mm-hmm yes so I'm I, and I'm really glad that uh, you had a mother that was caring and loving and also played the piano did you play the piano when you were a kid no but I used to turn the pages for her so I must know hundreds and hundreds of songs <laughs> wow that's that's almost even better that's right if in fact we had the still still had fine you know it's uh, the music things on on television of name that tune or something i could easily name a lot of tunes uh in, on three notes oh wow that's 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 pretty that's a talent all by itself right there <laughs> anyway um so i i i i, I just um never knew there were things you were not supposed to do in business or in the world. And so each thing that I encountered after the first thing, after the model agency, which I took over when I was, when my first son was six months old, uh, which I have mentioned that it was um, something that it was by accident. I had no training. I just took over helping somebody and gave her a dollar and changed the name to Atlanta models and talent. And uh, within Two years, um, it was the largest talent agency between New York and Miami, and I had no idea what I was doing. But um, but it 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 continued to grow. I managed it for ten year, for ten years, and then owned it for another five. And I'm happy to say that in the year 2019, Atlanta Models and Talent celebrated its 60th that 60th year in business. Which for a talent agency because the talent agency is totally based upon the talent that it signs. Uh, they right. come, they come and they go. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all based on relationships and personalities and what you can get and what you can do for somebody. That's, mm -hmm. that's extraordinary. And you, <laughs> you bought it for a buck. Did she come back three years later and say, you know, I think I, I gave you too good of a deal here. Can I have some more back? <laughs> No, that never happened. <laughs> well, it, I wouldn't have been surprised if it had, yeah. because she had to recognize, or he, whoever it was, had yeah. to recognize that you had a you had a special talent for that 
to be able because you know in my interactions with you you mm -hmm. are a very genuine down-to-earth person who mm -hmm. cares about people mm -hmm. and is looking out for their best interest and you smile a lot and you laugh a lot and that yeah. that makes you an endearing soul you know that right I, I hope so, because um, I, I like to give and I like to give back and I like to uh, plant seeds along the way, starting an organization or starting something or seeing a need uh, and, and, um, and nurturing it and seeing how it grows. And I love um, being a mentor. You know, in the last many years, many times people just friends ask me, can you help me think through things? And you never know all along that that's what you're doing is mentoring someone because if they feel they can trust you, uh, then they want your advice, they want your thoughts. And, and so I love that. I think that's one of the nicest compliments a person can receive. Oh, absolutely. But you see, the reason people did that with you was because your advice was golden because you knew what you were talking about. So it wasn't they were being generous to you. It was they were actually uh, bending your ear because of what you could bring to the table. I, I think that maybe have been the case. Um, I, I do. But um, in all of my businesses simply have evolved uh, from the model and talent agency to the next step to the next step. Everything sort of built upon one another uh, of learning where there was a need based on what your vision is. And I, I do believe I have a vision um, that is a little ahead of its time, maybe a couple of years where I see things where they're going. And um, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a gift. That's really a gift. Oh, that, that is the, like the gift of intuition that you know ahead of time what, what the trends are. But it also takes a great deal of, uh, of reading and, and uh, research to mm -hmm. look at to see where the trends are going and what's, mm -hmm. how it's all evolving and mm -hmm. then picking a particular uh, a niche that, that you think that, that it's going to feed right into you. And your, your, uh, um, your intuition is right on it's, it, because that's, that's how a business evolves naturally. If you're, if you're always swimming upstream mm -hmm. or paddling upstream against mm -hmm. the trends, it's harder to get it going if it, rather than going with the trends. But you got to know what the trends are, right? Well, let me give you one example, uh, if I yeah, may. Um, my first book was called Today's Saleswoman. And how did I come to have my first book? It's because um, I, um, I one time answered an ad in the newspaper for um, because I had never done that before. This is after I left the model and talent agency, but still owned it. And um, I didn't know what next was and still live in Atlanta, Georgia, without moving to Hollywood or New York or major market. And so I answered an ad in the newspaper for a company out of New York, a very 40 year old company, Research Institute of America, selling a business service to top management of companies. And I said, oh, I've never they had they had a hundred people in the field selling when when I joined when I applied for the job. And there were three women and um, and <laughs> and um, I said when I read the ad, well, I've, I've never been in sales, but I can do that. And so I applied. <laughs> applied for the job and, and I got hired. And at the end of the first full year of um, working with Research, Research Institute, I was number one in the country in new sales. And the management said, what are you doing? How are you doing that? And I said, I don't have an idea. I've never worked for anyone before. And so they, they, did, they gave me a gift. They created a job for me. Um, going and walking with other people in sales, doing the same thing I used to do all over the United States. And I'd work with them for two or three days. And I could see that it's not that they were wrong and I was right. It's just that I saw things differently. And so that's part of what I learned along the way. And so at the end of that first year, when I won that award, there were now 18 women in sales. So my vision said, ha, there's an interesting thing happening, and it's the, the, the growth of women in sales. So that's what brought on the next phase of the life. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I've spent a great deal of time in sales and was a sales manager and and uh, had uh, like 10 or 12 reports, people mm -hmm. that, uh, that uh, um, were, they were out selling. And it was selling groceries to restaurants and stuff. Uh, a company like Cisco. So it wasn't Cisco, but it, it was like that. And I can tell you that mm -hmm. when your company, when you became number one in new sales mm -hmm. and your company said, what is she doing? They, it was very rare for someone like you, especially without a background in sales, mm -hmm. to be able to take the number one position. I'm surprised they didn't create a rainmaker position for you, which oh, would well. be, we used to call it a rainmaker. It would be somebody. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. I was a rainmaker. Yeah. Yes. And uh, it would be, and, and also, so I got to ask you, when you would walk into a place, uh, to do a cold call, you had no fear, did you? No, but, but we had to make our own appointments. Uh, and so the, 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 the background there was to make a schedule where you were, where you were calling people, letting them know why you wanted to meet with them and then, um, and then going and, and doing it. And so that's a very good question because I didn't, I had to do that on the phone. No, um, that's even harder. Yeah, and so that I learned how to do that and to ask for the ask for the order. That's what I always like to say. And then the minute I got into an appointment, I, I I developed what was called the front end contract because I, as a female, got into an office usually to a man um, with great ease. But then I knew that I had to make sense very fast or they were going to get that forever call 10 minutes later saying, oh, you have a, you have somebody who needs to see you immediately. And so it, I would be out of there. So my front end contract, which I developed, was just telling the person I was going to see, here's what here's what I want to talk with you about. And here's the process. And if you like what I have to say, I'm going to ask you to be my client. <laughs> that. <laughs> By the way, that is nothing short of brilliant. Um, I've, I've worked with uh, lots of salespeople, and uh, one of them comes to mind who is a very, very nice-looking lady. And she and uh, one time she got into trouble with the, the company mis, mishandled a, a delivery to a chef at a, a country club, and uh, he was madder than a hatter because he had a big uh, conference and and we didn't give him all the food that he needed and stuff like that so and her added her idea was when i said well what are you going to do he's he's really angry with us and she said oh don't worry about it i'll just put on my red dress and go sit on his desk and that was <laughs> <laughs> that was how she did sales, but your approach was a lot more professional. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and also before you left, one, one of the biggest issues that I've always had with salespeople is they don't get to the friggin' point. You've got to get to the reason why you're there. These people are busy. They don't mm -hmm. have time to dilly dally mm -hmm. they want to know why you're there how you can help their business how you can get them to grow and what you're going to do for them and you got to do that in the first five minutes that's the contract you wrote isn't it mm -hmm. that's what i did and that you know that year the second year was when i really learned for the first time kevin <clears throat> what it was that i was doing with the model and talent agency for all those years what i was doing was selling yep absolutely well like i said before in order to be a successful talent agent, you, number one, have to build relationships with your mm -hmm. clientele. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have to get them to believe that what you're going to do for them, mm -hmm. they not only can't do for themselves, but you can do it better than any other agency in town. Yes, and, and I guess here's a good point I want to make about the book. It's your life, isn't it? Because I have taken all of these experiences uh, and applied them to the present world. Uh, relating to, let's just take the subject of selling your ideas, selling whatever it is you're selling. You're selling, um, you're selling yourself to your family. You're selling yourself to your loved ones. You're selling your ideas, and so whatever you're selling, you have to learn how to do it better and with a with a way to help people to um, accept whatever you're thinking and saying. And so there's a complete chapter in the book on the selling process, exactly how you go about it with this, if it's to a company, if it's to an individual. And that really was important in Japan 
because yes. um, everyone had to get agreement before they would move forward with anything. And so part of the explanation is very gentle and how it's getting understanding of what's important to each of you. And so you can get the support that you need within a family structure or with, the, with your loved ones. And so um, that chapter is a very important chapter in the book because it not only explains all of that, but more importantly, it talks about the closing of a sale and what it is that you need to do and watch for and how to, how to, how to, ask, how to ask for the order. <laughs> have, you, have you ever thought about being a professor in a, in a sales school kind of, kind of setting? Oh, well, that's, that's what's the next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have known. Oh, yeah. So so after that, after that, uh, I got a lot of publicity on that award. And so after that, I people, women were asking me, how did you do that? How did you tell us? So I created a sales course um, for a small group of women in Atlanta, and I wanted to monitor how they did each week. And so it went really, really well, except for the fact that I didn't wasn't economically feasible to do it that way. So I created a one day course. And I called it Today's Saleswoman. And um, a friend of mine knew a contact in Chicago, the uh, Chicago industry of industry and trade or something of that nature. And, um, and they sold my one day course and I, I presented it in Chicago I, and uh, 65 women showed up and one man. And so I went up to the man he was a smart beforehand one. and said, why are you here? And so, and so uh, he said, I'm from Dartnell Institute of Management, and I've never seen a course for sale for women in sales before. I wanted to say neither have I, but um, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, he said, I'll probably leave at lunchtime. I said, that's just fine. Let me just turn this off. Okay. Sorry. Well, that's all right. Okay, um, you're 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 busy. People are after you. Um, and so um, he did not leave at lunchtime. He stayed the whole day. Lots of interaction with questions and answers. The next day, um, they, he called me from um, Dartnell Institute of Management uh, saying, Beverly, we really uh, like your, what you've done. And we would like to know if you would do this for us. And so they gave me uh, a contract. Um, to do today's saleswoman um, several times each spring and fall for three years. And they sent out thousands of brochures all over the United States um, for these courses. And so, Kevin, sometimes something falls into your lap and you never really remember how it got there. But I remember how it got there. And that was the beginning of the quote expertise that I developed. And that's how my first book, Today's Saleswoman, came into be. I got an offer from Prentice Hall to write a book based on what I was doing. Did you ever think that you were special, unique, uh, um, more talented than anybody else? Or no, I never thought that. I never thought that. I tried, no, I just didn't. I don't know why. It's just, uh, my mind was always full of um, ideas and was full of wanting to make a difference in their lives, in the, in the lives of the people I was interacting with. And as long as I could keep doing that, um, um, I was a very happy person. How did you avoid the thing that stops most people, which is the fear? The fear of failure, the fear of not doing well, the, the, you know, that little voice that is, that's in the back of your head that says, who the hell do you think you are? Why okay. do you think that you can do this? And, you know, how did you avoid that? Um, I want to say this is going to sound corny, but there's a chapter on that very subject in my book. It's called The Risk Factor, <laughs> about the risk factor. And that's a huge thing. And when I was about to do something that was not being done before, I would uh, do a little sheet of pros and cons uh, for myself. What, what if it works? But these are things I would see. What are the things if it didn't work? Um, what's the worst possible thing that could happen if it fails? And I had to identify what that was. What was the worst thing that could happen if it doesn't work? And if I could live with that, I moved forward. That's brilliant. 
That that's simply brilliant because uh, if if you can if you can alleviate the fear mm-hmm. of I of the the worst possible thing that can happen to you, mm-hmm. um, then then it doesn't matter. Then you can move forward and you can you can be successful. Yes. And and you know even if your level of success isn't what you hope for. Mm-hmm. Um, you're learning, you're experiencing it. And mm-hmm. so you can, you can approach it from a better position, a better place and do a little bit better next time. Right. Mm-hmm. You can always say, I'm sorry. Is, is there a chapter in your book about that? Because <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be a chapter in your book about everything else I've asked you so far. <laughs> I really probably should have read the thing, but it, it, you know, it's just it's just out now. By the way, we're talking with Beverly Kievman Copen, and the name of the book is "It's Your Life," isn't it? It's just been it was in Japanese, now it's been translated into uh, Spanish and English. Pick it mm-hmm. up at Barnes and Noble or any of the booksellers or Amazon, and uh, it's uh, it's from a remarkable lady who's had a remarkable life, and and I invite you to go to. Her website, which is oddly enough, uh, Beverly Copen, Beverly Keeveman Copen. No, just beverlycopen.com. Oh, beverlycopen.com. That's yeah, okay. easy. Yeah. That's even easier. Yeah. And uh, um, go there and read her bio and uh, you can look at some of the media stuff then that she's done. And you've done you've done a ton of stuff. I've done a ton and, of stuff, but they can order the book right from my website. Absolutely. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at it. It's beautiful. You know, what's interesting about that is that book came together and you sent it to a friend to mm-hmm. uh, um, to see about um, the, getting their opinion. And they said, I love it. I want to turn it into a Spanish speaking book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you also had somebody that you knew that that was an artist and mm-hmm. uh, and you, you asked them about the cover and they came up with a beautiful cover. Well, the cover's mine. It's one of my photographs. But he came up with the cover for the Spanish-speaking book, which was wonderful. This was my my sweetheart's um, um, son, who's a brilliant artist. But uh, there are 20 of my photographs. Being a professional photographer, uh, the people I asked to help me edit the book and and do graphics said, I don't need to do graphics, Beverly. (laughs) I've looked at your photographs. (laughs) (laughs) So they selected the 20 photographs that they thought would be really wonderful in the book and so that's a part of it that that's true that's uh, i love talking to people like you because you are a shining example of somebody that you're human like everybody else is Mm -hmm. but you didn't take no for an answer and you got rid of the the fear of not being successful and just kept moving forward just kept moving forward and every step built in your life and, you know, when you get to be a little older, like, yeah, I am too. Um, and you see, you see how your life builds upon each, on, on each experience, on each thing that you do. And it kind of blends into the next thing that you do and stuff. If you have the faith to keep moving forward, you will be successful. That's my yeah. belief. Yeah. Kevin, I have to add in one thing that I have talked to you about before. All the um, pitfalls and the roadblocks that come up because it, uh, it happens to everyone, it, that things that are outside of your control. And that is exactly the main reason why I redid the book for this the, during the middle of COVID. Uh, it's because how do you manage all the things that are outside of your control? How do you manage your life and move forward during that period of time? And that reflected back to the um, the, the, the marriage to Michael Kievman, um, we were married for 10 years and three of those years, um, he was uh, ill with uh, diabetes and lost first his first leg and then his second leg. And I was in the middle of building a new business based on all the things that I had learned relating to women in business. And I was ready to launch the business. I already had investors, 18 people working for me. And all of a sudden, I'm in that position of saying my life is no longer my own because he was about to lose his second leg and more than likely, possibly his life. And um, I had to make a very, very, very tough decision to put my business on hold. That means I had to close it down. And that was a great loss. And then I had to uh, help um, him 
um, when he decided he didn't want to live anymore, I have to help him turn his decide that he wanted to do it again. And so that was a very exciting time in life because there was nothing I could have done that would have been more important. Um, and so I had to reinvent myself after he died because the, the direction and where I was going was, uh, was no longer available to me. And so out of that, while he was still alive, um, I started writing about what was going on. And, and, um, and I was having trouble writing it when a wonderful friend, I, I told to talk with her about an author. She said, the reason you can't write this other book is because you're in the middle of it. And uh, she said, if you can write about the positive way you're dealing with this three-year crisis of yours, you've got a book. And so I sat down in my private notebook that I never wanted anybody to read. It was for me. I want to run away. I, this isn't happening to me, et cetera, et cetera. And within two weeks, I had outlined a complete book, written two sample chapters, called it For Better or For Worse, a couple's guide to dealing with chronic illness, sent it to her. She showed it to her elite literary agent and I had a contract to write the book immediately. And that's how, what, what began the next phase of my life. That's a remarkable story. That is, that's truly a remarkable story. Diabetes is such a horrible, horrible disease, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. It is. They all are, but it's, but, but it is. Yes, it is. And so the whole purpose is helping to people, helping people. That seems to be my mantra. Helping well, I'm a, Beverly, I'll tell you, I'm of the opinion that that is in, in this world, in the, one of the reasons why we're here is to help other people. Mm -hmm. And that is the highest calling that you can if, if you are genuinely interested in the betterment of humanity, mm -hmm. of people, and, and, and helping people live their lives better, mm -hmm. like your book, It's Your Life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if, you're, if you're genuinely involved in that, then I think that, that there is a certain wind at your back and your sails are, are moving forward because you're doing the right thing and you're mm -hmm. doing it to help people. It wasn't about making money. You're, uh, you, you know, all this time that we've talked about uh, the stuff that you you have done. Not once have we met. Have we said, yeah, and I made a bunch of money from it too. And it was, you know, it, that wasn't that wasn't the calling that you had. But the money came along with it. That's such a great statement to make because I know that so many of my friends who have made a lot of money want you to know that they have made a lot of money. That's their, that is their claim to fame, as it were. But the money is not what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about helping people. It, that's exactly right. I love that. I love that. And you, you, congratulations on leading. And, you know, there's going to come a time, and there is for all of us, when uh, we get to uh, depart this, this coil and uh, we get to go to the other side and we get to go and we get to... I can just see St. Peter at the gate saying, Beverly, welcome home. My God, what a life you've led. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you. I guess at this point, if I may, I can, can I tell you a view is my age? I, no. No. <laughs> I can make up a number. Age is just a number, you know. That's right, but they won't believe me. Oh. They won't believe you. No, go ahead. Okay. They won't believe that I'm 84. No. Okay. Okay. You well, know why? I got that out of the way. <laughs> you know why? Why? Because you have got such a you've got such life in you mm -hmm. um, that you have enjoyed the the life and and that that is what so many people go through this life and it's you know the you've heard of the Eeyore syndrome, mm -hmm. the woe is me oh boy it's gonna mm -hmm. rain today and my my favorite example of that was when you talk when you say hello to somebody and they say and you ask them how they are and they say oh not too bad it's like mm -hmm. what the hell does that mean <laughs> so rather than that you you've taken the attitude that the life is an adventure every day it and is. it is indeed an adventure for you but i'd like to add something very practical that 
I have been asked a, a number of times in the last few months is, um, well, if I want to, if I'm feeling kind of down on myself or I'm feeling lonely because, because of, uh, you know what, um, I'm not sure how to get out of it. And, and uh, the, the simple, the little baby steps you can take. And one is uh, make a list of the people, maybe a dozen people that you know, that you haven't seen lately, you don't see very much at all, uh, or that you know you need to get in touch with them, but I can't see them, so why should I? Make a list of about 10 or 12 people that you would like to just send an email to or pick up the phone and say, I'm thinking of you. I just wanted to say hello and how are you doing? Maybe we could meet for coffee one day in an outside setting where it's comfortable and safe. So if you could do that for just 10 or 12 people and think of how that makes them feel, somebody's thinking of me. Oh, my gosh. Maybe those 10 or 12 people would do the same thing for 10 or 12 more other people. And it's just a, it's a way to take little baby steps to make people who are going through a difficult time who don't really know how to get out of it how to do that does that and make sense oh it, 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 it's beautiful it, it it makes total sense because and it's so simple mm-hmm. right we get the that little voice in the back of our head that says oh they're probably really busy and they've got a life and they've got doing this and then mm-hmm. and they, they don't want to hear from me i'm not i'm not worth it you know mm-hmm. and so we we discount the the specialness that each of us brings to the table and and brings to this world and uh and the reality is that they may you may have you may find that somebody would be has been thinking about you mm-hmm. and about thinking about calling you but they were having the same fear you were having mm-hmm. she's too busy she won't want to talk you know mm-hmm. and instead of that we need to treat and we need to work with each other like like everyone's special and uh, we really want to be involved with people, and that's 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 really is uh, that's really is. And you're getting down to the see. That's one of your gifts is you can get down to the very bottom base of of what's needed, and be able to describe it well, and and to and to put it out there. That's that's one of your gifts. Well, that's sweet, very very sweet, Kevin. Because people who are buying my book, or I hope will buy my book, I want them to come away with feeling like they have specific uh, plans that they've already made notes of while they're going through the book of how little things that they can be doing um, can matter to their own lives and can matter to the lives of their loved ones and can matter to planting a seed for someone else. So I, I want people to come away with an action plan for their life. And the name of the book is It's Your Life, Isn't It? Yeah. Uh, making a Difference begins with, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, and uh, it, and it is so true. And that book uh, sounds like it, with the number of chapters that we've described in it, you're talking about some of the things that uh, on a very basic level that have made you a successful uh, entrepreneur and you've never worked for uh, a corporation. You've never had to do the nine to five thing. You always figured out a way to do. Now, having said that, you probably work nine to nine sometimes. And <laughs> yes. And you, it's not, and it's not that, that you avoided work. It's, it's that the, you were more, uh, your, your mission was a, of a different kind. It wasn't about working. It was about creating. And yes. that's, that's what's so different. That's what's yeah. great. Yes. 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 And that's why that's why I really love to talk to you, uh, because you you are you're very special. Uh, you've got you've got a, a lot going on and you're just 80, what, 83 years young, 84, uh, 84 years young. <laughs> and so what, what's coming next for you? Um, there's always a next. I make out a list of um, things that I am wanting to continue doing things that. I plan to do, and then things that I don't necessarily want to continue with, and then things that I hope will happen. Those four categories. And I did that in January, and I relook at it, and um, I'm taking some courses now in a little different kind of writing, which is fascinating, and drawing, and I'm going to give a presentation um, next week where I live. Um, photography, 
because they're, I'm living in an environment where they're um, uh, 55 uh, and over. And I, uh, they, I've been posting up pictures and I get questions all the time about my photography. So I'm work joining with a, another wonderful photographer and he loves all the equipment and things. He's very, very talented with big boy equipment. And I, at this point in time, I'm just using my iPhone. And so we're going to have the great difference between um, um, his ability to help people who have serious equipment and want to get back into it. And mine, I, I want to I help people who live here who just want to make their pictures better. And so the, the photography thing is going to be um, next week, this week, next a week away. And it's called Photography Magic, Magical Moments in Photography or Stop the Car Now. Mm. <laughs> I, I just love i just love the fact that you're always always thinking you're always thinking about the next the next thing and um i applaud you for that because i know from my personal experience there is a point in time in a lot of people's lives when they start to get a little older mm -hmm. and they become less relevant mm -hmm. and people stop calling mm -hmm. and and stuff and they tend and they have um they tend to fold up their tent and want to go home and they don't want to continue to do the things that that made them, that brought them joy when they were younger mm -hmm. and uh and i'm glad that you're not you're not folding up your tent anytime soon you're you're gonna you're gonna go through the tape going as fast as you can i don't know what the r word means retirement i i've People, so many people say, what did you do before you retire? What did, when did you retire? When are you going to retire? Retire? I've never used the word in my life. How can you retire from life? You can't. <laughs> you can't. <clears throat> you know, I'll tell you, technically I'm retired, um, but I'm doing this more. I'm working as much or more than, than, I, than I ever have. Because <laughs> um, I really, I really love what I do. I love to be able to talk to you. And and by the way, if you're listening to this now or in the future, go get the book. It's your life, isn't it? It's uh, by Beverly Kievman Copen, and she is an extraordinary writer. She's also a visionary, and uh, and I truly believe that if that Beverly, one of the things about your book is it's going to be sitting on a shelf somewhere. And somebody's going to pick it up and they're going to say, this looks interesting. I think I'll take this home and read it. And it's going to change their life. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I can't think of anything more precious and more uh, anything better than that. Um, there are certain things that motive. I don't know how much time we have, but I have to tell you one story, if I may. You may. Oh, okay. Um when I, t I lived in Japan, Japan for three years um, in the 19, early 1990s, and, um, and it was an extraordinary experience. I had to reinvent myself then because I had no, uh, no job at that point. I was not working. I mean, I had just married or remarried, and, um, and I didn't know the culture, and I didn't know the language. And so you, I was kind of invisible. And so, uh, <laughs> and so I had to reinvent myself yet again. Anyway, so... Um, that's when I really studied the culture. And then a couple of years after um, I came back, I did get invited to go back to Japan to have a program on entrepreneurship. Um, and I was paid to do it and airfare, zip over from Atlanta, Georgia. Well, sure, we can just zip over. Um, and so um, 20 was, hours later. Yes, exactly. That, that there would be uh, maybe 35, 40 people, men and women, Japanese. Um, and uh, it was a three-hour program, and I had about 45 minutes on there. Well, I got there, and there were 35 or 40 people, but there were no other speakers. So all of a sudden, I had three hours. <laughs> and so because I knew the culture, I knew what I could do and get away with it. Um, and so three hours later, the program ended, um, and a young woman came over to me, introduced herself that she was uh, from... Um, Diamond Publishing, she was an editor, and she liked the way I think, and she wanted to know if I would have interest in writing a book for the Japanese market. And the answer was, of course, yes. It was the first time that publisher had ever um, 
commissioned a non-Japanese person to write a book for the Japanese market. So I did it. It took about a year. And guess what I called it? It's your life, isn't it? Choosing the path that's right for you. And so Fast, it was published in 2000 in Japanese. And so I had never, it had never seen the light in English. So fast forward to um, uh, a few years ago, maybe five or six or seven years ago, I got an email from a young Japanese woman, a single mom in New York City. She had tracked me down uh, and sent me a long email. And she said, Beverly, I was in the New York City library and your book just leapt off the shelf at me. (laughs) Just like you said, just a few minutes ago. And she said, I couldn't believe it. And I took it home and I read it by, I finished it the next day. She said, I just wanted you to know it has changed my life. It makes you feel rather humble, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. 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 But that's what it's, that really honestly is what it's all about. It is and what it's that's, all That's why I bring people like you mm-hmm. to talk to people because there's so much negativity. There's so much hate. There's so much fear. Mm-hmm. That uh, when we find somebody who genuinely has risen above that, mm-hmm. not that, not that you haven't had struggles in your life. You mm-hmm. lost a husband to diabetes. You and you, you know, and and you you've had to deal with life. Mm-hmm. But it's how we deal with life that is the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and at the very end of my book, um, there's a there's a poem that I wrote called "Choices and Options." Can you, would you care to read that now? Yeah, oh yeah. Because that is, you know, I was having a discussion with my son about that, the, this, about choices just yesterday. Oh, and it was like, we get the opportunity to choose how we're going to feel about any, anything and everything in our life. Mm-hmm. If we choose to have a negative feeling towards it, uh, that's our choice. If we you're, gonna want, you're, gonna want, you're gonna want to make a print of this. We'll get my book and you're gonna run wanna want to print this out. It's called The Power of Choice. You you go, girl. Okay. Regardless of your position in life, your circumstances, or the challenges you are faced with every day, you and I have the most important freedoms in the world. We can see, feel, say, study, write, think, or be. Anything we choose, it is ours for the taking. Every day, in every situation, you and I have choices and options. We can choose to be negative, or we can choose to be positive. We can choose to be angry, or we can choose to be peaceful. We can choose to be resentful, or we can choose to be grateful. We can lash out and say, why me? Or we can reach out and help someone else. We must separate things that are within our control from those not in our control. We need to let go of the ones not in our control and take action on the ones that are. The power of choice is in your attitude. Life is too short, precarious, and fragile. Your attitude is the one ingredient that will turn around your day, your week, and your life. That is your choice, yours alone. That's Beverly Keeveman Copen. And that's the end of the book. It's your life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Get the book. I got to I gotta believe that the, that book will be able to help you. I, I'm going to go get it because it's, it's I, and, and I'm going to give it to my son, if nothing else, <laughs> because it's, you know, it's, it's vital that we understand that we have choices that we can make in life. One of my favorite sayings, Beverly, and I, I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but when you when I wake up in the morning, I say my life is empty and meaningless until I fill it up with whatever I choose to fill it up with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I assign whatever meaning I choose it to have. Mm-hmm. And if I choose it to have a good meaning and I, and I fill it up with things that make me happy, mm-hmm. guess what? I'm a happy guy. It's a good day. It's a good day. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. I have, I have you know, I could, I, I could talk to you all day. I really could. But I'm <laughs> going to honor your time with us today. And it's, by the way, before we go, yes. I want to give you the opportunity 
to tell our audiences listening now or in the future anything that you would like them to know? <clears throat> Just remember to do something special today for someone else. Each That's day, anytime you're down, remember to reach out and help someone else. Even if that's nothing more than smiling at the cashier at the grocery store mm -hmm. and saying, hi, mm -hmm. how are you today? It's nice mm -hmm. to see you. Mm -hmm. you got I, it. Drove, I drove a bus for 12 years and there were people that would get on my bus. I made it. I made a practice mm -hmm. of saying hello to everybody mm -hmm. that would get on my bus. Mm -hmm. And there were people that got on my bus because we're dealing with homeless people and and people that have a drug issue and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That may be the only time somebody smiled at them all day long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I believe it's our obligation. But, you know, the, but that's just me. But I, I think it's important that, that we take care of each other and that uh, and I applaud you and I thank you for being for doing the work that you're doing. And uh, you, you're a phenomenal person. You just are. Thank you. Well, just remember, Kevin, it's your life, isn't it? <laughs> ah, that, now that's a talent agent coming out in you again <laughs> speaking, speaking of which uh, I would like to make this a career and I'd like a lot of people to listen to this episode of do you, th do you think uh, that I have a career I have a future in this business what did you just say <laughs> <laughs> I said do you think that I have a future in, in, in doing podcasts and having people listen to it and <laughs> Do. You're wonderful at it. Well, gee, Beverly, thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm just kidding around, but uh, you, it is just awesome having you here today. And and uh, and can I can I make you come back on? <laughs> I can't make you do anything, but will you voluntarily come back from time to time? Yes, I will be delighted to come back from time to time. Yes, that that would be would awesome. Be, I would be honored. I would be honored to have you. Okay. And I want to thank you for being here. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. Um, by the way, go to beverlycopen.com. That's C-O-P-E-N.com. <clears throat> the book is right there, right in front of God and everybody. It's it's your life, isn't it? It's a life-changing book. It is in three languages. I su submit it's going to be in dozens of languages before oh, it's all over. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, and you can go and get the book and you can find out all about Beverly and what she's done and uh, in her life. And it really is quite extraordinary. She is she's just one of those people that that uh, not only is she successful, you want her to be successful because the more successful you are, Beverly, the more people you can touch and the more people you can touch, the more people you can help, the more people that you can help, the better off our world is. Thank you. And I thank you very much. You, yeah. you wait right there. I'll be right back. Okay. Thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of KMmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named KMmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other, because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time.